So when we say like earlier in this conversation, we talked about how if you have ADHD, you're much more likely to have anxiety, depression, all this kind of stuff, whatever. That's a comp. Then there's the why. And that's the why is a little complicated. Is it because, well, I have ADHD, everyone tells me I suck, and therefore I develop depression? That's part of it. That's an environmental influence for sure. Um, but also like parts of some parts of the brain that are associated with ADHD are also associated with anxiety disorder, which are also associated with depression. And so that's why you tend to have overlaps in some of these conditions. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode today. You know why? Because we're gonna be talking about ADD, ADHD, learning disabilities, and a lot of the BS labels that are put on them, that are put on kids, that are put on adults with these different challenges. I want to get it straight. So uh, Dr. Shamasi, and you might know him or remember him from a while, you know, a couple episodes ago, actually, we were talking about colleges and education and things like that. Well, he also is an expert in ADD and ADHD. So I wanted to have him back. And I actually got a lot of, of inquiry after his episode came out from people who said, hey, I know you talked about this ADD thing at the end. Can you, uh, can, you, can you have an episode about that? So here you go. Now, let me remind you of our mission, right? The mission is to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose. Why is that? Well, I'll answer that. <laughs> it's in order for them to reveal their most authentic self, right? And subsequently live their most fulfilling and regret-free life possible. That's it. That's the mission, right? The five E's and those three things. Most authentic, fulfilling, and, and regret-free life possible. That's the mission, right? So today, we're going to talk all about ADD. We're going to talk about tips and tricks and parenting and medication and diagnosis and literally everything in between and how to help yourself, tips, tricks, tools, um, systems, formats, whatever. I tell you in the end, if you make it that far, it's an hour-long episode. If you make it that far, I'll tell you in the end a bunch of stuff, but let me just give it to you right now. I am super ADHD, super ADHD, and it is a massive advantage because I'm well aware of it, and I have systems and structures around it to run my life and my businesses, right? And I know for most ADD people, you don't like structure. Guess what? You need it to make this thing an advantage. So I have a ton, and I mean a ton, of tips, tricks, tools, exercises, planning things, calendars, ways that you can structure yourself using this to your advantage if you want them. Or if you need help, coaching, consulting, if you need any help from me, just DM me, right? Message me purpose to Instagram or Facebook. Message me purpose on Facebook. I'm just Ian Lobos on Instagram. It's at Mental Purpose Podcast. You cannot forget it. At Mental Purpose Podcast on Instagram, Ian Lobos on Facebook. Message me purpose and tell me what you need and I will send it to you. No charge. Got you on it. Um, also, if you need help with, uh, if you need something with coaching, consulting, you're trying to build a business, you need our help, you want to come to one of our events, message me purpose and I'll tell you all about it. All right. So um, remember, we have a mental purpose community on Facebook. It's free. It's awesome. We just started, um, we just started some groups in there. A lot of the guys are stepping up into leadership. They're starting their own groups and they're holding each other accountable to goals we're setting and the mission we're living. It's freaking awesome. You want to be a part of it. It's the men on purpose community on Facebook It's free. Just do it. Now, when it comes to our front runner events, our personal involvement retreats, four day, five day and seven day week 
or weekend or week-long retreats, they are powerhouse. And I mean purposeful to the max. Our structure, our systems, our setup, our curriculum, it is dialed in and it will get you what you need, right? Coaching over a year, it's a little rock hammer to chip away at those little internal things that are holding you back and we'll break through it over time. You want to hit the dynamite button? That's our front runner retreat. We will keep you in such tight parameters, constraints, but not too much. We'll lead you through such a cool structure and curriculum that you will have major breakthroughs like you've never, ever, ever had before. That's, it's so freaking awesome. I'm so proud of what Aaron and I have built with that thing and the people that are getting breakthroughs every time. Here's the best part. For us, we're sold out. August, September, October, sold out. But we are opening November and December. We have half of January filled, half of February filled. You want to be in this thing. Frontrunner.group, hit it up, or just message me purpose and tell me you want information about Frontrunner. I got you. Remember, Mental Purpose Podcast on Instagram and just my name on Facebook. I think that's it. You know Dr. Shamasian. He's been here before. He's an expert at all these cool things. College acceptance, ADD, ADHD, you name it. That's it. Ready? Here you go. Enjoy. Dr. Shamasian back by popular demand. Popular demand. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about another area of your expertise, which is ADD, and I imagine other things, ODD, op Oppositional Defiance Disorder. But you know what's really cool, man? And I want to point this out to the audience. When, when your bio got pitched to me, it was an instant no for me because I didn't want to talk about colleges, right? And I talked about this on the last episode you were on. But what opened up by the universe kind of just delivering that and me being open to not resisting the fact that, it, that what's delivered is supposed to be was an incredible conversation last time about all sorts of things, parenting and schools and, and programs and testing and incredible. Now, this one's going to be even better because we're going to pinpoint in a lot of the things, well, for myself and maybe yourself included, things that we were, we were pigeonholed into and told that we had, which were disadvantages. And I want to talk about how in my life, your life, they were absolute advantages, and this is how you make them advantages, both with the mindset and with tools and skills and things like that. And we're talking about learning disabilities. We're talking about specifically ADD, ODD, and you're going to fill us in on the other stuff that you have an expertise in. But let's get rolling, man. Like This is such a common topic that I hear all the time that I can't do that. I have this. I have this, so that doesn't mm -hmm. happen. And it just... Well, frankly, it annoys me <laughs> because that was what I had in freaking first grade at five years old, six years old. I was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, ODD, and told that I wasn't something. I couldn't something. I, I would never something. And luckily, the ODD helped me, and that defiance said, no, I don't think you're right. I'm going to test your theory. Mm -hmm. I'm going to test you out on that one. So let's do it, man. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me first off. And, uh, of you know, when, when you said, I don't know what the universe, uh, you know, wanted, um, I don't know either, but I'm glad that we, uh, you know, we connected and, um, I'm really happy that we can chat about this area too, because, um, I think that it's intimately, uh, associated with education and it comes up a lot in the context of education, but also in the context of mental health, in the context of, uh, labels and how they impact um, people's self-perception, um, but then also what ADHD is. There are so many misconceptions yeah. about that. 
Um, there, you know, there was years ago, there was the, you know, is this even a thing? Is it just a label? Is it because they don't have anything else? Underdiagnosis, overdiagnosis, overmedication, undermedic. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And um, like you mentioned with, you know, other conditions like oppositional defiant disorder, ODD or conduct disorder, CD, um, those are commonly comorbid conditions. So I'm happy to get into all of it. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? You're it's you're the expert. You got the hot seat, man. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. here for the ride. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I guess uh, we should start off probably with what ADHD is. Um, yeah, I think it. that's really important because um, people. I think a lot of people have an idea of what it is, or um, you know, they have maybe correct information or incorrect information. But but I think it'll be good for us to get on the same page. So first things first. Um, ADD is an outdated term. So the condition used to be called attention deficit disorder. And over time, when not to get into why this happened, but essentially a lot of complex statistics during clinical trials showed that it's not just an inattention thing, that uh, many people with this inattention issue also tend to have um, hyperactivity and disorganization, you know, kinds of issues. And so because they saw these two clear clusters of symptoms, inattention and hyperactivity, the name changed to ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So um, just right off the top, I wanted to make that clear. Um, And so what uh, what does ADHD mean? So it's the most common childhood disorder um, there are different, you know, estimates of how many people have it. Um, you know, most people agree somewhere between five and seven percent of kids. So it's a developmental disorder, and it's characterized primarily by deficits in attention um, and with uh, hyperactive and impulsive behaviors. Okay, um, and we we tend to see these uh, in younger children, and some of the symptoms have to be present um, before age twelve. Uh, and they have to be impairing. Impairing in you know the psychological literature or uh, in psychiatry basically means it disrupts some aspect of your daily life. Um, mm-hmm. And with ADHD, there's tons of research to show that it basically d- disrupts or can disrupt every aspect of your life. Um, so if you have ADHD, you're much more likely to have a comorbid behavior disorder like ODD you're much more likely to have an anxiety disorder, depressive disorder, pretty much every other mental health condition, yeah. more likely to have um, you know, cognitive difficulties, social difficulties, other interpersonal difficulties, much more likely to get divorced, get into a car accident, lose jobs. In other words, it's very pervasive. And so it's not just the thing that kids deal with where they can't sit still when they're in elementary school. So it's something that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, will will impact someone's life uh, in some form or another, kind of throughout the course of life. And so yeah. it's really important. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. It's really important to identify, you know, how it impairs you, um, and to intervene early and to develop, um, you know, strategies to cope with it and to go through life in a in a fulfilling way um, with ADHD. You know, there's, there's so many directions I want to go with, with like just my own curiosity and mm-hmm. the stuff that I've read and studied. Is there a, like you mentioned the age 12, is there a, is there an age that's 
too early to diagnose where you're just a kid. I mean, in all honesty, I, I, I felt like looking back to when I was a kid, I mean, I'm five, six years old, man. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in shrinks offices with my parents because I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm off the walls, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and in the early eighties, that's, it was new, I, I think. Um, but is there like, is there a difference between, well, this is just a kid. Like he's just a kid. He's a, he's a energetic kid that doesn't want to sit still versus a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a five years old versus a 12 year old that definitely has something going on. Or can you diagnose it with just, just these characteristics at any age? Yeah, it's a great question. So people say, you know, they're just kids. They're just kids being kids. What do you mean ADHD? All this kind of stuff <laughs> or boys will be boys and boys just do this or whatever the case might be. Um, so, um, so I want to, there's the too young, too old question. Um, but then there's also the question of like, is it real? And, and I sort of suggested, uh, you know, the answer to this, um, earlier, but I just want to hit that on the head. So it's a real thing. Um, the reason why we know it's a real thing is because, um, we can reliably diagnose this, um, reliably means like, and, and with validity. So we can, you know, there are certain criteria that people have to meet, um, and, you know, people tend to have it over time. It's predictive of all these other things. So ADHD is real. It impacts people's lives and all that kind of stuff. The, the two old question is interesting. So before the newest version of the DSM, so the DSM is basically the, call it the mental health diagnosis Bible. You can think of it that way, where all the conditions are in there with all the criteria and their background and all that kind of stuff. The most recent version is the DSM-5, so the fifth edition. Um, Up until the fifth uh, edition, so even in the fourth edition, it was symptoms have to be present before age seven. Not all the symptoms, but at least some of the symptoms have to be present before age seven. Then they moved it up to 12 because, you know, sometimes kids weren't getting evaluated um, earlier or people, you know, people, there's memory bias, right? You don't really remember stuff, so they could have been available. So 12 was actually a better threshold for this kind of stuff. Um, So how, uh, you know, how old uh, does a kid have to be? So there's actually no guideline. um, There's no official guideline of a minimum age that you have to wait until to diagnose it. So no one says, you know, can't do it at age four or something like that. However, um, in practice, you really don't, I mean, the most of the time, um, you really don't see an ADHD diagnosis before the age of six. Why that is, um, there are, you know, there are several reasons. It could be that some people are uncomfortable making a diagnosis before age six because hey, they think, eh, you know, with a four-year-old, these kinds of behaviors are a little more typical. Let's hold off before we provide this diagnosis and this label. So there's might be a little bit of like, let's be careful here. Um, there's also, uh, and I think this is a critical one, kids aren't yet in school. And, you know, doing, you know, grade school where they're having to sit still and read and, you know, keep still and raise their hands and stay quiet and all this kind of stuff. So in other words, once you hit the age of six or seven, whatever, the educational um, burden increases. And I don't mean burden in a bad way. I, I mean, the, the tasks are harder. What's asked of you is harder, um, both academic asks, but also behavioral asks. Hey, six-year-old kid 
sit in this chair for 40 minutes. Don't talk <laughs> out of your turn. Keep your eyes on the board. Uh, when, you're, when your neighbor is erasing something or writing really loudly with a marker, don't be distracted by that. <laughs> Look here. Right? Those are all hard things, right? I don't always, you know, um, there are many adults we know that struggle. Some might have ADHD, some might not. But these are tall, tall, you know, tall orders, basically. Um, and so once, once people get into uh, school, that's sort of the straw that breaks the back, so to speak, right? That's when we start to see this stuff really emerge and we can feel more confident. Or it might be the first time we actually observe it because before they were kids, they're running around doing whatever, watching Disney movies, doesn't matter. Um, and so you have to think about it that way too. Um, and then there's the then there's the hesitation, I think. Some professionals will want to, you know, explain the behaviors with something else versus ADHD, mm -hmm. right? Or a parent might not go see a mental health professional until, you know, age 10. Maybe the kid's super smart. And so even when they're distracted and climbing up trees and uh, talking out of term, whatever, they're so smart, first, second, third grade, not a problem. They get yeah. to fourth grade, fifth grade. Now the academic burden catches up to them and breaks the camel's back, so to speak. So this is the kind of thing. So um, and and then when you ask the end, well, is it really okay to make a diagnosis at age six or whatever? If they meet the diagnostic criteria, the answer is yes. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason why I say yes is because when you make a diagnosis at age six, assuming they meet the criteria, that diagnosis tends to be reliable. And and in uh, psych psychological or mental health uh, or even medical uh, in that world, reliable just means um, that if I, you know, if I assess them again, what's the likelihood that I'm going to get that result, right? Mm, so in other words, if I take an exam today and a month from now and my results are the same, that test is set to be reliable. In other words, I can rely on the finding that I got the first time. Um, it's more complex than that, but but just to give a, a simple example. So so we know it's reliable. Like people will tend to have that diagnosis. They'll meet the diagnostic criteria over time. Um, the other thing is that it also, um, we have to see, okay, does this diagnosis predict impairment? So if I take a group of kids with ADHD that I've diagnosed with ADHD and a group of kids that do not have ADHD and no other mental health conditions and all that kind of stuff, I'm much more likely to see impairment and other conditions in the kids with ADHD than the kids without. So in that sense, it's predictive or, yeah. and it's associated with current and future issues. And, and that we can do that starting at age six. I'm sure there are studies that look at age five, age four, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. there's probably going to be a little less reliability when the younger you get again, because younger kids are so different and they can change so much and stuff like that. But when you get to that six, seven, we can pretty confidently diagnose. Is there a correlation between the, the school system, the formal education system and and ADD or any of these, these um, learning disabilities in that category where the formal school system or the traditional school system just is not uh, set up to handle kids like that? I mean, I just, I've always wondered that. I mean, is, is there a disadvantage in the current, I mean, I know that's for a fact there is, but is there a correlation between the two? Like ADD really comes out in the, um, in the traditional format 
the school format where a kid's got to sit still and not talk and not be looking around the room, but paying attention. I mean, that's pretty like, that's pretty regimented for, for any kid, more or less a kid that has a little bit different wiring. And then I have another, I never another follow up behind that too. Okay. Um, so you're, so that I'm understanding the question correctly, essentially, um, is this because of the unique burdens placed by an academic environment that we're seeing these kinds of things? Yeah. Or is it exacerbated? Is it, is it made worse because of that? And is it more noticeable because of the, um, the, the like straight up tunnel that and line that sure. these kids have to walk? Sure. Um, so, so the exacerbated question is interesting. So, um, you know, does school make it worse? Um, mm -hmm. So technically, probably not. It doesn't yeah. make worse what's already there. I think yeah. it brings it to the surface. Oh, yeah. Right. In other words, like, it's not like you didn't have ADHD. Now you go to school school gave it to you right I, no, i'm saying no, that with no, a little bit of a smile right like and i know you're not suggesting i right yeah. but like it's not like ah if this kid had never gone to school he would have <laughs> no it doesn't work that yeah. way but yes of course because the demands are different some so in again in the mental health world there's this um not to get too nerdy here but i think these words i think they're well named um uh there's something called uh Con contextual specificity or situational validity basically like um you know a kid might be a certain way in one setting and a different way in a different setting right um and so sometimes that's why when you diagnose adhd you typically want to get a parent report and a teacher mm -hmm. report to see how kids are across settings because some of the symptoms actually also have to be present across different settings so that also helps with the diagnosis but now the thing is too like if you're at home and you, you know, if you're like kind of an unstructured household and all this kind of stuff, then it's going to, again, the burdens are less, but let's say you told your kid, you know, all right, you're going to do an hour of homework at this table and this chair. Um, and you're not gonna, you know, have a snack or whatever. And they have to sustain attention. The kid with ADHD will probably struggle more than the kid without ADHD. Sure. So if you if you place similar expectations within the home setting, you're likely going to see similar kinds of difficulties. Yeah. So so you're right, Ian, like where a kid is or where an adult is or whatever, um, you're going to see different things. Like if there's an adult with ADHD, they might struggle with sustained attention at work if they're at their desk for eight hours. But if they're playing flag football, they might not because it's a whole different thing, whatever. So right. same idea. It'll look different in kids and adults a little bit, um, but the same idea holds. And then the follow-up to that is is food. Does food have a direct correlation with it? With with look, I nerded out and said exacerbated. <laughs> so like, let's nerd out. Does food have any correlation? All right. What foods? make it worse or better? Or is there a correlation? I think that's going to vary from, you know, okay. kid to kid. So I don't, um, and, and, you know, people do research on this all the time with the food stuff. Um, a lot of the literature, uh, you know, in the last decade or whatever has focused a little more on like things like autism and stuff like yeah. that, where people, you know, uh, some parents will swear by, 
you know, I went uh, celiac free or, or you know, gluten free, um, and uh, and there and my kids started, you know, doing way better. Um, and for some conditions, there are those associations uh, sure. with ADHD. There might be some of those studies. I'm not per, I'm not super familiar with like you know, avoid these five foods if you you know. I, I don't know of right. those. Um, there might be some of that stuff. But look, kids have uh, kids have different tolerances and responses to different foods. Um, so if you've observed as a parent that, hey, like when I cut out these foods um, for whatever reason, like the way, uh, you know, those foods impact my kids physiology, exacerbate their symptoms, cut it out. I mean, sure. I mean, obviously talk to your doctor and all that kind of stuff, but I don't see, uh, you know, harm uh, in cutting out milk or uh, in cutting <laughs> out bread or whatever the case might be. Um, but, um, but again, as far as, uh, you know, to my knowledge, there aren't like the, you know, the list of five or 10 foods that you must avoid if you have condition, obviously, uh, if a kid is, uh, distractible and they're eating, you know, and they're eating like a lot of processed sugars and all that kind of stuff. And that's raising their heart rate. You know, I could see a connection with that. Um, but, uh, but I think it's going to be kid by kid. So let's tell people what the symptoms are. Like for them to look through or look at maybe within themselves, maybe they've never been diagnosed. Maybe they've felt that they're just the odd one out. Like I used to feel, even though I, I knew that I was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, I, I always felt mm -hmm. like, does anybody else know what my brain goes through? And it wasn't until I got a little older and one of my teachers in high school said, um, and it's weird, it's weird. It was just like in passing that the, the, don't let this thing be a disadvantage to you, man. This will be the greatest advantage of your life. Like you, yeah. you, you're going to move, you move so fast through things that you'll be able to process risk and fear and, and, and all those things way faster than anybody else that, you know, are, that are surrounding you in your, in your average class. And, and it's going to make you really successful. So you'll know what you need to do later on in life based on how you are now. Cause I don't know if that'll ever change. And that was really yeah. helpful to me. What are like, what are like symptoms that people can look for? Like, especially in, in children, if, if parents are listening to this now and they're just kind of confused, um, what are the symptoms other than a kid just being a wild kid and not paying yeah. attention? Sure. Um, so the, okay. Some I'll, I'll read off some of the symptoms. Um, sure. and, uh, but then I also want to, you know, preempt the reaction where people say, oh, come on. <laughs> everyone does that or i do that some of the time too right, do right. i have adhd too does everyone have ADHD? you know people have that response and i'm not sure. trying to um you know uh make light of that response but just to call it out um so essentially there are two symptom clusters okay so there's inattention um and there's hyperactivity and impulsivity Okay, so hyperactivity slash impulsivity is one cluster, inattention is the other cluster. There are nine symptoms in each cluster, and um, you have to, you basically have to um, check off six or more symptoms in one of the clusters to meet the diagnostic, the, the symptom criteria. So let me, so to be clear again, let's say nine symptoms in, in inattention nine symptoms in hyperactivity impulsivity if i meet if i have six of the symptoms in inattention or six plus symptoms in hyperactivity then i can qualify 
I qualify based on the symptom criteria only. Obviously, we still have to assess for the impairment, the age yeah. of on, you know, the age of onset, all this kind of stuff. Um, now, if you're uh, and that's for up to sixteen. So if you're seventeen and older, uh, it has to be um, five or more. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, in either of those clusters. And so if I have six or more, five or more, if you're seventeen plus, in inattention only, that's ADHD inattentive subtype. If I have uh, six or more in the hyperactivity cluster only, but fewer in the inattention, then I have the hyperactivity subtype, hyperactive impulsive subtype. If I have six or more in both, that's called the combined type. So there are three essentially types or subtypes of ADHD as well. Okay. So let me read off. And with that, now I'll, I'll read uh, some of the symptoms. So some of the ones for inattention include, um, and I want people to pay attention to the word often. Okay. So that it's not everyone does this sometimes it's often. Okay. Um, often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork at work or with other activities often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly often has trouble organizing tasks and activities, is often easily distracted, often loses things necessary for tasks and activities, such as school materials, pencils, books, tools, wallets, keys, paperwork, eyeglasses, mobile telephones. And those, I think I read five of them. But that's to give you an idea of what, that, um, what the symptoms are. And for hyperactivity and impulsivity, um, some uh, examples are often fidgets or taps hands or feet or squirms in seat. Um, another one is is often on the go or acts as if driven by a motor. Those are literally in quotes. That's why I did that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. that's sort of a, a classic symptom that people talk about, the driven by yeah. motor one. Um, often talks excessively, uh, often has trouble waiting their turn, often interrupts or intrudes on others. Those are five of the nine that I just read off. Uh, pretty representative um, five of the nine. So hope that gives you a good sense. Totally does. What about parenting? What's a parent's role in all this? And parenting. What can parents do to, I don't know, like, how, how do you parent a kid better with ADD? And what's a parent's role in all this? Because look, I, I got a five year old upstairs that is identical to me, except she's parented differently than I was parented. Not that my parents didn't parent mm. me well, they just didn't know what I know now. It's 40 years later, you know, they, they just didn't know yeah. what I know. Um, and have, I maybe have a level of awareness that I have today. And so I let a lot of things slide that I think I was like, that they were like pinpointed and like, don't do this, do this, don't do this. What's a parent's role in all this? You know, how can they, how can they facilitate the advantage versus lock a kid down and kind of try and try and like keep them trapped and, or, or fenced in? Yeah. 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 Um, so again, um, kids are different, right? So yeah. I, I always, I might sound like a broken record, Ian, when I say kids are different, um, only because, you know, the advice isn't, it's not like, again, there aren't the three magic tips as a parent, you must, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are, so, you know, this is actually tied pretty closely to treatment for ADHD, um, which maybe we'll get into later, maybe not. So um, yeah. at a high level, there's, uh, there's medication management, right? So stimulant meds and stuff like this. Um, which work very well. Um, but then there's also behavior management, uh, which is closely tied to um, parent training or behavioral parent training. And um, I bring this up not to, you know, 
jump ahead um, and and talk about treatment or anything like that. But because what you would do in therapy with a parent um, actually gives us a glimpse into how you ought to parent a kid with ADHD, right? Sure. Um, sure. And so um, when it comes to so there's there's the there's the inattention and the impulsivity part, but then there's also the the feeling kids have, right? Um, and with any mental health condition. So you don't just have ADHD and that's it. You're inattentive and hyperactive. You get feedback from the world. Ian, God, sit still. <laughs> why, why is this so hard? Did I have to... Could you just do it the first time? Why did right. I have to ask three times? I just need you to do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. You see how... So those aren't ADHD. That's someone's response to the kid yeah. having ADHD, which makes someone feel terrible. Does it make it and worse? And so now a kid, the ADHD itself, probably not. Yeah. Your feelings the around react. your ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. And your emotions in general, totally. it's terrible. Totally. Right. So, so that's why I bring this up because there are two ways to look at this. One is the ADHD itself, the inattention and the hyperactivity. The other is how we make someone feel for having ADHD, right? Or if you're a kid and, you know, you have trouble waiting your turn at kickball or your friends are talking and you interrupt, suddenly you have fewer friends, right? That's the having fewer friends is not the inattention. It's a response to that stuff. So you have to consider not just the sort of core symptoms, but the impairment associated with those symptoms and those self-concept issues, how people feel bad when people respond to them for their ADHD and stuff like that. Okay. So as a parent, patience, huge, easier said than done. I have a three-year-old and uh, I need a lot of patience when he tells me, no, go away. No, I don't want strawberries. I'm like, what did I do to your kid? I just tried to offer strawberries. You know, whatever. Uh, And I'm not saying my kid has it. Maybe he will, maybe he will. I don't know. Um, But just to say like, it's hard um, to always be patient as a parent. You're not always going to be patient as a parent. But but remember that um, it's not their fault. In other words, like it's a real condition. They did nothing to bring it on themselves. If anything, it's, it's, it has a huge heritability, right? Mm -hmm. So like, uh, it has a huge genetic component, all that kind of stuff. So they did nothing. And you know, that's, that's their brain is different. And so we need to be understanding of that. Number one, before we even think about what are you going to do with your kid on the ground, you know, on the field kind of thing. Um, so that matters. Okay. And, um, and so be patient with them. And I think you have to, the, the issue with ADHD is an issue with sustained attention. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not about being able to, uh, change things that they attend to. So if you said like, Shirag, look to the right. And then a few seconds later, Ooh, I need you to like, look at this camel on the left or whatever. Um, <clears throat> it's not, that's not the, it, the selective attention is not the hard part. It's the sustained attention. It's, Pay attention to the camel for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's when it breaks down. Okay. (laughs) So it's an issue with sustained attention, not selective attention. So understand your child's limits. 
if you're putting them in a in a no win situation where they're just gonna fall apart, attentionally speaking, when you put a certain burden on them, well then you need to be mindful of that stuff. So yeah. maybe breaking up tasks into smaller chunks, um, you know, giving them a reward for you know complete for giving you know doing ten minutes of something. Um, those are the kinds of things, even if it's words of praise or a little snack or whatever, or we get off and shake our wiggles or whatever the case might be, break it up. Um, and, and then, uh, but some people might respond like 10 minutes. Is this the expectation we're going to have kids these days? Back when I was in school, you did it or you, some bad thing happened to you, whatever. Right. So you got to get over that because yeah. like kids, it doesn't matter. And also people tend to have very selective memories. Oh, we were all still all the time, 40 years. No, you weren't. <laughs> um, so like, so be a little mindful of that. Okay. Be patient with your kids. So break things up into smaller towns. If you're asking them to, if you want them to do, here's another one. If you want them to do multiple things, don't tell them the multiple things at once. Ian, I want you to fold your towel, but not before you eat your strawberries. Oh, and make sure to um, give your sister her carrot snack before then, because you know dad's coming home at six o'clock and it's four thirty now. Yeah, if I you're eight with ADHD, <laughs> you see what I did. I did it on purpose. But imagine you're and you're an adult with a fully formed <laughs> brain. Yeah, ADHD or not, I don't know, but with a fully formed brain, developed brain. Yeah. An eight-year-old with ADHD, you gave them four tasks. The order was complicated. Yeah. They had to hold in dad coming in in an hour and a half. What? Like, so, like, and then if they fail, it's like, gosh, Johnny, like, I asked you, I just asked you a few simple requests. Uh, yeah, but Ian was, you know, grown, grown up Ian was going to fail at that. You know, how do you yeah. expect it? An eight-year-old Johnny. So, <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff, right? So don't set your kid up to fail and don't think this whole, like, well, he should be able to, I should be able to dunk a basketball, bro, but I can't, you know, like there are some things that, that are beyond my really? limit. And, you know, so, so you got to be mindful of that. But I think that when it's something like an attention thing, we just expect people to do it. Where sure. if I said dunk a basketball, you'd be like, all right, come on, that's out of the pale. Well, for some people, what you think is an, should be an expectation is out of the pale, beyond the pale for them. So keep that in mind at all times. Um, so those are two big, big ones. Um, <clears throat> and then also to redirect kids very well. So like uh, if someone, you know, if you're like, hey, look at the camel and now they're like looking at the elephant. I don't know. I'm just thinking about like a picture book or something. Maybe I'm just thinking too much about my kid. Um, but <laughs> let's say they like go to the camel or like to the elephant. Don't say, ah, don't go to the elephant. Redirect them. Ooh, like look at the camel. Nice. And then praise them immediately. Yeah. So that like we're praising the desired behavior rather than slapping them on the wrist for the undesired behavior. That's a big one because I think sometimes, uh, you know, parents will have a tendency to comment. Well, the thing they're supposed to do, well, they were supposed to do it. Why the hell am I supposed to praise that? Like, oh, should I praise them for eating an apple too? Like, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, um, but we tend to, we tend to get upset with kids when they do what. We, and, and so what happens if I'm a kid, I get negative attention, but no positive attention. Right. And that's a problem. 
that's a huge problem. And I'll tell you, that was one, that's one of my, if you want to call them traumas, that's one of mine is that I have so many uh, advantages, so many things that I do really well, but because I think some of the things that I, you know, maybe the way I respond very quickly, very, maybe abrasively or aggressively, which isn't, isn't me really doing that. Like, it's just the way I respond and it's just how it comes out. And then people take it a different way. There's so much more criticism on me, my personal story, um, than, than positive. Like, it's not even funny. It's severely outweighed to where I've been conditioned constantly here, what I'm not doing right, what I messed up, what I failed at, what I didn't do well, what I could have done differently, why someone's upset now that like I started to really fight against that and have like an I don't give a shit about you attitude for for quite a long period of my life, which was like, dude, this is me. You don't like it. Fuck off. Like that was my attitude. And I had that. It was mm-hmm. a protective measure. That was my defensive measure because I was constantly being hurt by, sure. you know, the soft center of me was constantly being hurt by like, can't somebody just like, I feel like I'm a pretty good kid. I, I feel like I'm really smart. And I am according to my test. Can't someone just tell me what I'm doing well or right? Or that I'm not mm-hmm. a constant failure. Because Jesus, I mean, you, yeah. you know, you can really mess a kid up. Like if I wasn't so defiant and thought that most people who talked to me were full of shit, uh, that I, I, where would I be? And we talked about that a little last time. If I wasn't yep. so defiant to authority, like would I have believed them and been in a very different spot in my life today and not believe that I was capable of literally anything that I wanted to put my mind to? And that's, that's dangerous, mm-hmm. man. That's, 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 that's borderline abuse. You know what I mean? Not really, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I totally hear you there. Um, And go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm very curious. What is the difference in the brain's chemistry and makeup and its actual physical form that, that like is an, is an ADD brain is different than a, than let's just call it a regular brain without ADD. What's the difference and why? And then I want to talk about medication on the brain too. So what's the difference in an ADD brain and not? This is a a loaded question. Uh, And, you know, the neuroscience of this stuff is um, fascinating. It's complex. Um, You know, we know we know more now than we did 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago. But there's still so much we don't know. Um, And I'll I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it uh, straightforward without, uh, you know, getting too gnarly sure. with brain structures and stuff like that. So there are anatomical differences in kids with ADHD relative to not anatomical, meaning physical structural mm-hmm. differences. There are also functional differences in, in terms of the way it works. Right. So that's like, uh, you know, I hope that distinction is clear. So the physical sure. brain and the way the brain functions. And obviously these things are interrelated, right? Um, and, um, and then there are also genetic differences that lead to these anatomical and functional differences. So um, just an FYI, ADHD is one of the most heritable mental health conditions. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you that like true. 88% of the, uh, it's basically considered, again, these are, they require a more complex or nuanced explanations, but it's people think it's in the 85 to 90% of it is due to heritability. Uh, and that means genetic and environmental heritability. Again, won't go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, but anyway, so um, there are anatomical and functional differences. Um, 
the a lot of what people you know when you think about the ADHD brain, um, a lot of it has to do with um, like prefrontal. So if you think about the issues with um, ADHD, uh, a lot of them are going to be related to attention and executive function. So executive functions are like planning, organizing, uh, executing, like that kind of stuff, right? Um, the the part of the brain that handles that, that's going to be the prefrontal cortex. And that's the part of the brain, like from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, basically like the, the most recent to develop, we have way bigger prefrontal cortices than, you know, than other animals. So I'm going to turn my head to the left, Ian, uh, not to be a weirdo, but to show people what I'm so like, sure, I'm thinking sure. prefrontal cortex, I'm thinking this part, yeah, basically, and for people to see what that is, roughly this part. Got okay, it. so okay. like this part forward like the um, temple forward basically like this part forward and and that's the and those are the things that are implicated in executive functioning planning and organizing all that kind of stuff it's uh you know again to be super basic with this uh we have way bigger prefrontal cortex than our dogs that's why we're better at planning organizing uh task switching all this kind of stuff than dogs right um, again, super basic explanation, but that's an anatomical thing. But then there are also, um, areas like the, like basal ganglia that are, um, that are like sort of in the middle here, if that makes sense. So like here, but like here, you know, where those lines kind of intersect. Um, and, uh, because there's a lot of like neurotransmitter function that's implicated in ADHD, things like dopamine, uh, adrenaline, all those kinds of stuff. And so essentially there are issues like structural differences, but also the way things function. So um, the prefrontal cortex isn't functioning as well uh, as it should or, or as it does in people who are typically developing. Same thing with like basal ganglia and dopamine systems. And so at a basic level, those are the kinds of areas that we, um, that we really think about when we think about ADHD. There are other areas as well, but sort of the, like the, the, the hallmarks are associated with, with those areas. And, and, and then it's like symptoms of it. I mean, you mentioned um, dopamine and, and I don't think you mentioned serotonin, but like what are additional symptoms of it besides being distracted or lose attention or hyperactive or whatever it is? What are other symptoms maybe that are um, compounded by maybe the result of your ADD? You know, like you're talking about feelings or like, I kind of want to go a little bit farther into that because it, there, there are some people that think that they just have anxiety or they just are depressed. And, and, and are those things actually compatible? Like, can you combat those things? Can you teach yourself new skills? Yeah. So for sure. So the reason why, um, so when we say like earlier in this conversation, we talked about how if you have ADHD, you're much more likely to have anxiety, depression, yeah. and all this kind of stuff, whatever. That's a comp, then there's the why. And that's the why is a little complicated. Right. Is it because, well, I have ADHD, everyone tells me I suck. And therefore, <laughs> I develop depression. Yeah. That's part of it. That's an environmental sure. influence for sure. Um, but also like, parts of some parts of the brain that are associated with ADHD are also associated with anxiety disorder, which are also associated with depression. And so that's why you tend to have overlaps in some of these conditions. It's not necessarily that one causes the other or leads to the other. Why, although there is 
the the influencing thing is there like that example i gave you you suck yeah. why don't you pay attention i oh i feel crappy about myself i'm depressed you know um but then also the well you know if i have an anxiety disorder that's also associated with um you know how well my prefrontal cortex um basically is controlling uh you know or modulating my emotional response okay so if i'm like for instance let me t let me give you an example Let's say I'm, uh, I get a text message from a friend um, who says whatever. I'm like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Do you want to hang out tonight? Whatever. Um, you know, one person can interpret that as, oh, whatever. Yeah, they're, they're, they're down, whatever. Um, yeah. Someone else might say, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, crap, did. like. Did I, do they not want to, was it, I know the other day I said that thing. Is that what it is? Yep. Oh crap. I'm not going to be friends. And now they're friends with Jim. Does Jim hate me too? <laughs> uh, vicious cycle, man. I, yeah, vicious you know cycle. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but like, um, but, but so then like, uh, your prefrontal cortex, part of its job is to control that, right. To, to modulate that, to basically say like, okay, it's fine. But if like, you're not if it's not, they're not working well together and it's out of control, right? Your, your, you know, your limbic system and all the your yeah. emotional systems and stuff like that. You're going to go into Jim also hates me. Monica also hates me, whatever. If, who else does. feels yeah. about like this about right. me? I'm going to be lonely. I'm going to die alone. Uh, whatever, like, <laughs> right. you know, like, so, right. so, but, but so what, why did I bring that example up? Cause the prefrontal cortex, if it's not functioning, you know, um, as it would in someone who has typical development, problematic prefrontal cortex function or atypical prefrontal cortex function is implicated in both ADHD and with anxiety disorders. Right. So in other words, that's like, um, Let's say I, um, let's say I, uh, fractured my wrist and I, uh, and I, I now have, tr it's like saying I fractured my wrist. So now I have a hard time shooting free throws and chopping carrots because okay. they're both associated with the same core problem of I sprained my wrist. Yeah. Not that my problems shooting free throws caused my knife troubles. Right, right. Just correlated. Yeah, That's interesting. same core problem. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, like, I got this question for you. I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. So is there a way to, um, and I'm asking these questions because I know the answer in myself, and I just want you to explain to the audience. Is there a way to... Um, own your ADD or like get into the flow with it or, or, or counteract it or, or, um, how does somebody know? Like, like think about a guy that's in a cubicle who's got ADD and he's tortured every day, all day. How do you get to know yourself so well? How do you get to know your flow and how you work and the best things for you? And then be cognizant and confident with that so that you can go and do the things in life that, ADD is an advantage to not a disadvantage so that you're not living in that vicious cycle of like what you just said or anything like those variables. Can you, yeah. can, you can you 
teach your brain new skills to to really sure. use it. Okay. Sure. So it's not, exactly. Not I mean, like you a, can. It's not a problem of rewiring. It's a maybe. There's a little bit more steps involved to the rewiring. You need to develop the systems to address your weaknesses, right? So if you're for, this is going to sound so silly, Ian, it's going to sound so basic, like literally, bro, you brought a doctor on the show, like to tell us this, but <laughs> bear with me, but I'll give you an example. I mean, put your keys in the same place every damn time. That's what I'm talking about. Those things. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it sounds so simple, but like, oh, I always, <laughs> come home, not, don't say, oh, let me, let me pour the food in my dog's bowl and blah, 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 I'll get to the key. Put the key in the same drawer. Yeah. You do that, you're not going to lose the key anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man, I tend to forget things when I have like four tasks to do. Write it down. Yes. And I'm not trying I'm not trying to be insulting to anyone. No, this is so like simple for, though. You know like uh, like if I know I struggle with X. Man, I always eat like if someone's struggling with overeating. Man, I always struggle with eating cheddar and sour cream ruffles. Bro. Don't buy cheddar and sour cream. Oh. Don't keep it in the house. You know, it's basically like design your environment to be conducive to the change you want to see. You're not going to be like, man, if I just pop some fish oils, my brain's going to change in three months. I'm good. I don't need to change my life. It's not going to happen. So design your environment to make it conducive. Like, um, you know, if you think about behavioral change, just this, I'm not even talking about ADHD right now. You know, I'm talking about the larger behavioral change. All of it can basically be distilled to the following two things. Behaviors you want to see, make them easier to do. That's sentence number one. Behaviors you want to change, make them harder to do. I'll repeat that. Okay. Let's see if I can remember it. Yeah, I'll, I was going to say, I, 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 we're both out, man. <laughs> yeah. Can you so repeat behaviors it? You, yeah. Behaviors you want to change. Yes. Make them easier or behaviors you want to see, make them easier to do. Behaviors you want to change, make the problematic behavior difficult to do. That's the key. So like the going back to the Ruffles potato chips example, Ruffles is not paying me to use them as an example, by the way. Um, I just remember liking Ruffles as a kid. But in any case, um, if I don't want to eat Ruffles, don't put them in the house. That makes, if I don't have Ruffles in the house, it's harder to eat Ruffles. They're not in the house, right? Totally. totally. Um, and, then th and then same thing if I want to do something. All right, if I want to go to the gym more, Maybe I should go to a gym that's a two-minute walk from my house rather than a 20-minute drive. Ugh, it's four o'clock. Is there traffic? <laughs> I don't feel like dealing with it, right? But if it's two minutes away or if uh, I don't know what to wear, put it out the night before. You know, like make, make the behaviors yeah. easier. Yeah. That's no, And I use these examples because I don't want this to be like a – these are special things for just ADHD. No, the things this that work in life work for ADHD. Totally. Right? And so, and so stop. I, I think people sometimes need to change their thinking around like, ugh, like there's this quick fix thing that if I do these things, I will change.
No, what you have to recognize is that you might not change. In fact, your brain probably won't change, especially like if you're an adult, like if I, you know, I have a, I'm uh, in my 30s, my 34, you know, my brain's not going to be anatomically insanely different next year, no matter what I do, no matter what supplement I take, whatever. But I can design my environment to work for me, yeah. right? And so like, Put stuff in the same place, key down, whatever. Um, if someone says, if someone gives you the four instructions, wait, would you please repeat that? I didn't quite catch it. And I want to make sure I get it all done. Clarify. It might be annoying, like, oh, like they asked me to repeat whatever. You know what's more annoying? Not doing the thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. my wife asked me four things and if I said, Sweetie, I'm sorry. Could you tell me again? Even if she does, even if she didn't, and I don't think she would do this, but even if she's, gosh, I just need you to listen the first time, whatever. And whatever. That's better than if I don't do tasks three and four. God, I asked you, please. You know, <laughs> did it, like that's going to be worse. Yeah. So ask yeah. those kinds of things. And, and ask for patience. Thank people for their grace. Stay organized, write things down, break things up into chunks. The same stuff we brought up for good parenting of kids yeah. with ADHD are good things for you to do with yourself. Yeah. That's the takeaway. I love that change your environment. Um, design your environment to make it conducive to the life you want to live. That, that's, that's great for anybody. And maybe you have a little bit more work to do as an ADD, ADHD person with that type of brain. Maybe you've got a little bit more work to do. Don't be resentful for that because it really is an advantage. You just have to work a little bit harder. You have to actually want it a little bit more. I used to get so frustrated. I'm like, man, I'm so smart. Why does it take me like three times as long to take these tests? Like, why can't I understand these questions? And I would like take off my glasses and double check and like close my eyes and open my eyes. It was crazy. But I learned that I needed to be more proactive with the things that I know are like, if you said to me, hey, can you remember this real quick? If I say yes, just to please you, I'm in a major disadvantage to this situation now in this environment. And your reaction to me lying to you is going to be whatever it is because I wasn't proactive. But I go, you know, man, honestly, not going to happen. Let me get my phone out and write this stuff down real quick. Or do you have a pen or paper? Like be proactive about your challenges. They're there. It's there right? They're there. They're, they're not going away. You're not going to medicate them out. Medication. I want to talk about that for a second too. Um, before we wrap medication, isn't your solve. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bandaid. This is real world stuff that you have to do. Even though it sounds so simple, it's not so simple. These are actual habits changed. This is, this is how you rewire the brain and you want to get sustainable results. You must rewire the brain or you're going to have rubber band effect. And for a long time, all I could think was, man, everything I do, like I snap back. Like I, I planned this out for, for like the last 10 weeks and I forgot it was today. And I've been thinking about it every single day for the last 10 weeks. And I totally forgot it was today. You know what I mean? Like your, your episode, I literally at the end of it, I said, Hey, uh, I'd love to have you back on. I got a bunch of feedback. We booked another call today. I look at my counter. I was like, who is that? Oh, oh, I wonder what we're talking about. <laughs> like, I'm literally blanking because of what we're going to talk about. It's so it's yeah. funny, but it's not funny. And I make it a joke now because I have a lot of tools and systems and set up and procedures for my life that work for me. 
one of the best things a coach ever told me was, dude, you're more ADD than I've ever met anybody before. You're more crazy, wild, all over the place than ever before. Don't try and time block yourself. Because I said, why can't I time block, man? Why am I unable to get this? And he said, because you're a butterfly, dude. Let yourself be a butterfly. Just give yourself some parameters to work within. So from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., these are the three tasks that I have to get done. Don't give a time limit. Just or not, Don't give a time specific. Just give a time frame. I must get these three tasks done in between this time. That's it. And, and your consequence for not getting them done is X. So now I have the freedom to not be crammed and to let my brain just kind of wander. And when it wanders, it's a powerhouse. When it's constrained, mm -hmm. it's a disadvantage. So like, give me, give me two things. I want to talk about medication for one second, but also like, give me a 30 second in your best of, in your best opinion, not even as a doctor, just as a person. Um, what are, why is ADD such an advantage? It's a, it's a big question. I mean, trying to give you something thoughtful here. Um, <laughs> hence why I'm not rushing into it. I know the sure. 30 second. No, I appreciate it. No, no, it's not, it's not ticking yet. I just, I just, I want your, I mean, I know I have mine and, and I just, I want your opinion on that. It doesn't have to be professional, by the way, it can be you with ADD just in your opinion here here's where i'm uh here's what i'm thinking about it i'm, I'm sort of gonna uh tell you my thoughts in real time sure um i think that there's this question of well if i have adhd how do i harness that for for the good of my own life and for the good of mankind kind of thing i was thinking about that but i was kind of like playing devil's advocate in my head at the same time i'm like is adhd an advantage or yeah, yeah. does someone recognize what their disadvantages are and so they pursue stuff that's not necessarily impacted by their disadvantage as much hmm. and then in hindsight they look at it and say oh my adhd was a disadvantage because i did x y and z let yeah. me tell you like if i have adhd um i probably and and this is i'm sure there are people like this out there i'm probably going to struggle with being an executive assistant for a high level ceo sure to manage tons of calendars and you know stay organized and like keep tasks in line get them done follow up all this kind of stuff okay so you know in that in that environment i'm not playing to my strengths but if like this person told you you're like a butterfly bro go float around do all this stuff whatever um then like you do the kind of work that works with your strengths and is it that ADHD was an advantage for you or you just said, I'm good here. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep beating this idea that like, oh, I need to change the ADHD. Oh, I need, you know, but, but yeah. like you're playing to your strengths kind of yeah. thing. That's right? what I mean. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we look back and we say, you know, our, our way to interpret that is the ADHD was good for Ian. Yeah. I don't know that it was good for Ian, but he didn't force himself into a place where he knew he was going to fail or he yeah. knew he was going to struggle like that. And so that's the thing. When we talk about environment, I'm not just talking about put your keys in the same drawer every time. I'm thinking about like, you know, live a life that works with who you are and what you're able yeah. to do and not do and stuff like that. Um, 
And I think that's a huge thing. You know, sometimes you get these, uh, I'm not super big on like celebrity stuff or whatever. Like you have Adam Levine, I think, right? The Maroon 5 singer who talks, mm -hmm. I think about his agency all that kind of stuff. And so like his, you know, his line of work, I'm sure it takes a ton of focus to like write, you know, great lyrics and all this kind of stuff. But also he's like, you know, he's energetic, he's moving, he's singing, it's active, it's creative and all that kind of stuff. He, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know the man at all. Sure. I don't think he's managing spreadsheets and da, 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 and doing all that. <laughs> you know, probably not. And so, and you know, if he says, well, the ADHD is like that led to my creativity. That's a, okay. I get that conclusion, but he also played to his strengths. Yeah. Right. Um, and so maybe you're the kind of person who just like, um, you know, you thrive in situations that require change more frequently than Ian, I need you to sit in front of this desk for three hours and solve this thing. Now, someone might say, look, when I love something, I'll do the three hours. When I hate something, I'm not doing the three hours. That also matters, yeah. right? Because generally, I might dislike spreadsheets, but maybe I'm obsessed with my upcoming vacation. And I really want to work on that spreadsheet and I'm not going to see the problem there. So, so play to your interest, play to your strengths and all that kind of stuff. At the same time, fully recognize that in your life, you are going to do things that you don't want to do. We all have to do things we don't want to do every single day. Um, but that's, that's, and, and so for those things, you just have to learn to manage it better. You know, the proverbial, put the keys in the same drawer, make the lists, follow those things. Uh, block out your schedule from eight to 10. I do this. So another one of the things we didn't talk about parent routines are really important. Yeah. If you're the, if you're distracted and you have a hard time sustaining attention, you're like a leaf blowing in the wind. Ooh, I think I should make that restaurant reservation done. And then two hours later, Oh gosh, I was supposed to get that file to that person because you didn't put in your calendar. You didn't schedule it, whatever. So don't be like the leaf blowing in the wind right? Because then you're just going to do what's on your mind. And you're just going to be like, you know, looking left and right and up and down and just sort of distracted and doing whatever comes your way. And that's a problem too. Yeah, love that. So really, the awareness is the advantage. You got to know, you yeah. have to know what you're awareness. good at and what you're not as good at. Um, and that's a that's a key thing. Um, in and, and this again, it's it's one of these things where I think a lot of tips for ADHD are tips for life. It's just that uh, certain things are tougher to do when you have ADHD. And so you might have to be extra sharp sure. when it comes to those areas of weakness. Yeah, I love that, man. It's Well, the advantage is the awareness. And then the application of that awareness and whatever action you're going to take is the real meat, right? That's the, that's the real mm -hmm. stuff there. So what we're saying is it's don't, don't let it get you down. It's just a card that you've been dealt and you've got to play it to the best of your advantage. That's it. Like, yeah, this isn't, and it's not up to other people to define what it means to you based on what it means to them or how it's affected their lives. Remember, remember most people have an agenda and it's not yours. It's theirs. Mm -hmm. So I've had to get through that and get over other people's agendas or the way that they're affected by me being forgetful or me being uh, aloof or like completely disconnected. But I also know that when there's really loud music and there's a lot of people talking, that's not going to happen for me. Like I was out in, in Lake Tahoe and I was at a, a bar with some friends uh, earlier this week 
very loud music, a ton of people talking, and I just am very quiet. And everybody says, like, are you okay? Is there something wrong? And I'm like, no, guys, I don't, I don't function really well in this environment. It's too stimulating for me. It's overstimulating me. And, I, and I'm like, I can't think. I can't focus. I can't even hear you. I can't, I can't hear myself talk to you. So it's annoying me at this point. I want to get out of here. I know that when we're going to a bar, I literally said on the way over, the car ride over, guys, um, uh, just FYI, I don't like loud bars. So just I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to be in conversation with you. I just don't sure. like that. And they were cool. So I know my, I know my, I'm aware of, I'm aware of the parameters and, and the type of environments that I thrive in and not thrive in. And I keep myself pointed toward the ones I thrive in and I'm aware of and let people know the ones I don't. It's easy. Yep. It's easy enough. But I built that skill. That's the big piece. I built that skill. You know, I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got whiteboards in here. I mean, if you look at my office, it looks pretty damn organized. That's because my wife yep. organizes it. That's not me. That's not the way my brain works in color like that. But, um, all right, cool. This is, uh, this is awesome, man. I, I, I could talk to you forever about this. It's, it's, I'm very curious and I love that, uh, that you came on here and, and explained this stuff to us. So, um, I want to tell the audience, I have a ton of exercises that I use for myself as a, as a super ADD and ODD person, a ton of exercises that I've used to, um, help structure myself within my world help structure my businesses, systems and processes and procedures I use for myself, my businesses, how to run my, my coaching business, this podcast, how I remember things. Um, cause by the way, like, I, I, I come, I come with a blank piece of paper and I wind up filling it up as you're talking. I don't start with questions. I don't do any of that. We just want to have a conversation. So I have a structure though in my mind of how I want to run this, but I let it be free because if I had questions written down and you're not following them, like I'm out, I'm going to be all over the place and trying to drag around. So there's all kinds of advantages in systems and, and procedures. And although that doesn't sound fun structure, it actually is very fun to the ADD mind. In my opinion, in my case, very, very fun because now I'm efficient and I get to go ADD out all over the place, but I get to be efficient too. So I have best of both worlds. So thanks for coming on and, and, um, and getting deep with, what this is and explaining to people. And, and I know you answered a lot of questions for people you did for me. And I know a lot of people have asked me uh, about the advantages and disadvantages. And we went a lot deeper than that. So appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, cool. uh, I enjoy talking about these topics on a personal note. I, I really enjoy speaking with you and, um, and if, uh, and if people outside of this conversation experience a benefit, then that's just a bonus. And, and I'm thrilled totally. about that. Totally. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So, um, if anybody wants the exercises that I have or the, or the, you know, the ideas and the tips and tricks that I use, DM me or private message me or hit up mental purpose podcast at mental purpose podcast at gmail.com. Now, where can people find you? Um, just visit our website, uh, shamasianconsulting.com. I'm sure you'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So we help folks get into, you know, top colleges and medical school. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to assist folks, but thanks again for having me on and, I wish everybody has a great day. Absolutely. I'm going to spell that for people. Hang on. S-H-E-M-M-A-S-S-I-A-N. Yeah? That's correct. Got it. Consulting.com. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.